0: Welcome to the Beyond the Reiki Gateway podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. This episode is sponsored in part by Universal Heart, where body, mind, and spirit unite in celebration of the divinity that dwells within. Find out more about Universal Heart by clicking a link in the show notes or visiting our website beyondthereikigateway.com. And now… Let us begin our exploration of what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Kathleen Johnson here with my co-host, Andrea Kennedy. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Reiki Gateway. Today, we welcome once again, Dr. Linda Backman. You may remember her from a previous episode She is an expert regression therapist and a psychologist with more than 40 years of experience of guiding clients through past lives and between lives. Linda is also a renowned regression therapy teacher and has taught these topics nationally and internationally for many years. She has also authored three groundbreaking books about soul evolution and soul types. We are so excited to have Dr. Bachman with us today, and in this episode, she will be talking about counsels in the spiritual realm and how these can possibly apply to our current incarnations and what effect they may have upon those incarnations. But I think for those who haven't heard Linda's first episode, it would be helpful, Linda, if you would provide some background on the topics of past lives and soul types. Of course, we will be providing a link to Linda's original episode with us in the show notes, and that was in May of 2021. So without further ado, welcome, Dr. Linda Backman. We're delighted to have you back. Thank you, Kathleen and Andrea. It's always great to be back with both of you.
0: Thanks so much for coming back, Linda.
2: It's always so interesting for me to put a foundation, quote unquote, it's okay how much detail. Just as a quick reminder for people, because sometimes people may have not listened to that first podcast and there may be someone listening that is in their head or even out loud is saying, so what is soul? What does that really mean? So let me just get not lengthy, but a little bit basic. What do we mean by our soul? Often people ask me, Linda, what's the difference between soul and spirit? And so I'll just say, because different speakers, authors, teachers use those words differently. Soul and spirit to me means the same. What is my soul? What is my spirit? To me, those words are synonymous. Our soul is created we could say at a divine level, and the purpose of our soul is to grow and evolve, is to gain wisdom, and is essentially to aid the evolution of humanity, but even in a broader way is to aid the evolution of the celestial realm, of the spiritual realm. We as souls are, I think we could say, are charged with or mandated with It's our job to grow and evolve and then aid humanity and the universe. So soul ties to God. If people want to use that term, we are divine. But the bottom line is when a soul is created, it's almost like, uh, I like to call it a little bit like the marsupial that comes out of the pouch. Think about a kangaroo. So the mama kangaroo has this little tiny marsupial baby that, crawls out from the body of the mama kangaroo and then crawls into the pouch and continues to develop and expand. And we could say evolve in the pouch. A soul will also spend some time in the spiritual realm. We might say developing in the pouch of the protective nature of the spiritual realm before a soul ever incarnates. So that's, that's what a soul is. We evolve essentially lifetime to lifetime. We primarily evolve in body, not out of body. And then just to recap what came forward in the May 2021 podcast, I've come to learn uh, everything I talk about comes out of years and years of regression work, learning from clients. Simply put, without going into a great deal of detail, there are three, we might say, types of souls or three Origins of souls that come to earth. One is a soul that's created to incarnate primarily in the human body on earth. That's what I call an earth based soul. Then there's two others. And I learned about the two others through clients because, as my guides told me, they wanted me to understand the difference among these three types of souls in order to support clients, especially, not that I don't support Earth-based soul clients, I certainly do, but to support those, we might even say, souls that come to Earth that are less familiar with Earth, meaning there's also an interplanetary soul. That's a soul that is designed to primarily not incarnate on Earth, but to operate in other we could say locations, other settings in the spiritual realm, like planets, star systems, and interdimensional space. So that's what I've been taught to call an interplanetary soul. And then lastly, there are also souls that are created to function and be a part of the angelic realm. And the angelic realm directly serves the divine, is a support system to the divine All three of these types of souls at times, and most frequently Earth-based souls come to Earth, but interplanetary IP souls come to Earth at times, as do angelic souls.
0: I'm wondering about the different soul types. Can you talk about how many of these soul types you might estimate are on planet Earth right now? Mm -hmm. What's the makeup of that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Andrea, that I think helps people a lot. So I'm glad you asked that. This might surprise people, but if we think about the human population, let me see if I can make this simple. If we think about the human population, the vast majority of incarnate souls on earth are not highly evolved souls it's almost we think about think about the military and we have ranks in the military a lieutenant to a major to a colonel to a general and obviously not ignoring enlisted people but just to use that analogy and gaining a higher rank as a soul simply means doing your work in body and growing and expanding as a soul so that said, about 95% of the human population are souls that are, we might say, adolescent level, or maybe to put numbers to it, scale from zero to 10, zero new soul, never incarnated, 10. Highly evolved soul. Think about classic souls we would think about the Gandhi soul, the Buddha soul, the one we know as Jesus, Moses, and on and on. So, bottom line is that only 5% of the human population are, we might say, beyond a seven or beyond an eight on a scale of 10. And then we have to separate that apart. Into, if we call it 5%, then we have to subdivide that 5% into earth based souls, interplanetary souls, and angelic realm souls.
0: And how would you divide that up among the soul types to take that a little bit further?
2: Yes. Okay, good. What I have heard from clients repetitively, and I'm a little bit like a researcher in that as I work with clients week in and week out, in my head and of course, through my notes and recordings of clients over the last six months or over the last year, when I asked this question to clients, what's the percentage of evolved souls on the earth? I gained overlapping information or one client corroborated the information from another to another. So if we call it 5%, of the human population is evolved, about two-thirds of that 5% are evolved Earth-based souls, meaning souls that have lived lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, probably hundreds, if not a thousand or more lives, and over time, gaining wisdom. Now, we trip and fall, and I know it's not our topic for today to talk a lot about tripping and falling and that sort of thing, but We have free will when we come into body on earth. So we don't always make the most perfect or ideal choices. So of that 5%, about two thirds are, and I'll just make it simple, EB, earth-based souls. And then that other 2%, pretty easily, I think fair to say, split 1% interplanetary IP, 1% angelic realm AR.
0: That has me thinking, Linda, what about the other 95%? Is that a mixture also of the three soul types, or is that all earth-based?
2: Ooh, okay, cool. Because I always think that at times you and Kathleen are guided, of course, as am I, to ask certain questions. So great question. That 95% approximately are virtually all earth-based souls. Because, let me see how to say this so it's clear, because the only reason that an interplanetary soul comes to Earth is because they're highly evolved. Not that they're perfectly evolved, they're still evolving, but they're highly evolved and they come to Earth to aid humanity. So that's the only reason an IP soul comes to Earth, so they would not be part of that 95%. Same is true of an angelic realm soul. An angelic realm soul, as I've said, basically serves the divine. An angelic realm soul, by nature of being AR, is highly evolved and is also not part of that 95%.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that really helps me picture the current state of the population.
1: It really does. It's also a little bit frightening (laughs) when we consider that 95% of the humans on planet Earth are probably adolescent levels of evolution, which is a little frightening, at least for me. But thank you for clearing that up, Linda. Also, what strikes me when you were talking is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but you Get all your information, all your knowledge from not only the thousands of people with whom you have conducted regressions and between lives regressions, but also from your own guides. Isn't that correct?
2: Yes, that is correct. Let me see how to say this, Kathleen. People out there listening probably comprehend this because when we're spiritually oriented people, putting something into human language, sometimes is hard to explain. It took me years to learn. <laughs> Let me say this differently. It took me years to trust that I could hear from my guides. And so, yes, I do at times talk to my guides in my head. And sometimes they'll help clarify something for me But by the same token, I'm always really cautious. It's the nature of being trained as a psychologist. In other words, being trained as a psychologist, (laughs) probably people listening that are going to chuckle when I say this, being trained as a psychologist means you have to be trained in research methods. And that was an aspect of my doctoral program a lot of years ago. I'm cautious. I say to myself sometimes internally, so Linda, be sure that the information you're sharing, this is what I say in my head, be sure that the information you're sharing is based on what you believe has been repetitive verification. Yes, it's true, Kathleen, what you're saying. And yet I'm a little bit anal about how many times have I heard this content from a from a client.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But th- there's another avenue. I'm just going to expand some of what I said a few minutes ago, because I think it's pertinent. So first of all, Kathleen, you said that's scary. So, OMG, 95% of the human population is unevolved. <laughs> that's not what you said, Kathleen. So that's my mm-hmm. word, not your word. But I want people to think about, let's just say, but 95% of the population is not a two on a scale of 10. 95% of the population is probably between a three and a six on a scale of 10. We're not talking about kindergarten level of knowledge, but we, those of us who you know, feel concerned about life on earth and humanity and how we treat our planet and how we treat animals and how we treat plants and how we treat each other, etc, etc. It's, in my opinion, correct that we have a lot of problems on the planet. You know, lack of acceptance of all people, lack of taking adequate care of the earth. There's a lot of that. But one more quick thing, and then we could go where The two of you want to go with this. Let me add in a piece. So this 5%, within that 5% of evolved souls are, as I've already said, two-thirds about Earth-based souls. So maybe that's 3% Earth-based souls, 1% IP, 1% AR. That 3% of the EB souls, those Earth-based souls Uh, this may or may not shock people listening, that 3% that are highly evolved earth-based souls, those souls are capable of incarnating in more than one body simultaneously because of their evolution. Quite honestly, there's a fair amount of that capability, or maybe said more clearly there are a number of highly evolved earth-based souls currently on the earth who have more than one simultaneous incarnation that is called a split incarnation. That is partly, because this is going to apply once we get to talking about councils, to a large extent, these multiple simultaneous incarnations called split incarnations, or just called splits, to a large extent, that's coordinated by these councils in the spiritual realm. But we have, it's always interesting, I'm always mildly hesitant to go out on a limb and give you an example, but I am going to give an example because people can consider this. This is not a split right now that I'm going to use as an example. It's a past life of a current incarnation. And then I can give you an example of a split if you want to. The soul of the one known as Gandhi. Gandhi the soul of Mahatma Gandhi, basically the father of modern India, the father of, we might say, nonviolence, because that was Gandhi's orientation. Obviously, Gandhi is a highly advanced soul. That soul continues to incarnate on the earth. There are embodiments of that soul. One of the reasons I know this is because when we see... Oh, this is crazy complicated to try to explain. Gandhi has incarnations currently, and part of it is that has been determined, I believe I've determined that, based on physical similarity. There's a well-known uh, political figure in our country, political commentator, that was once part of the Obama administration by the name of van jones and some people will go oh yeah i know who that is but anybody can go look up van jones on the internet african-american man very in my opinion wise individual this is an aspect of the soul that was gandhi and so this is an example of how highly evolved earth-based souls come back into body, and without going on and on, the reason I brought up Gandhi slash Van Jones is because that soul has more than one current incarnation. Van Jones is not the only incarnation of the Gandhi soul that's currently on earth doing what they can to guide humanity forward.
0: You know, I think it's fascinating, Linda, because I've always felt that We are so much more complicated and intricate and complex than we could ever know. I've always felt like it would just blow my mind if I could actually see all the truth of who we really are. And so it is really quite fascinating. And just listening to what you explained there about the incarnation and then the splitting as well I think it's fascinating to ponder that, and it's hard to grasp what really is. But I think also, I feel very much so, that's the tip of the iceberg. And that's why the councils are really, I guess, intriguing to me, because that is something else that is largely unseen by people, unknown about, and very influential. And- here to help. So I'm wondering if we might begin to talk about the councils and how they intertwine, how they relate to not only the soul types, but life on planet earth right now, and not just the 5%, but the 95% as well. Perfect.
1: Yes, I too, I'm ready to hear more about the councils And I did have a question, and I'm hoping you can answer this when you talk about the councils, Linda. I would really like for our audience to know from where you get your information about these things, because I know when I hear you speaking, I always wonder, where does she get this? It's not written any books anywhere that I know of. And if it is, it's probably something very esoteric and not widely known, So I know that you've done so much work in this area that you are getting corroborating accounts and overlapping, as you said, accounts of lives and what happens in spirit. So I think it would be helpful, not only for me, but I think for our listeners to know where all this information comes from. It's fascinating to me. And as Andrea said, it's just the tip of the iceberg.
2: Yes, I mean, to both of you, it, it is the tip of the iceberg. Sometimes it even shocks me, I'd say better said, oftentimes it shocks me that I ended up, you might say, moving from, if anybody goes and reads a little bit about me on my website, I didn't ask for this. I didn't seek this out, which I'd love to be able to say because it's completely honest and valid when I say that I didn't decide, okay, I'm going to become a psychologist and then, Oh, and I'm going to figure out not that there's anything wrong with this, but I'm going to go figure out what is the soul and what are past lives and on and on. It fell into my lap. And I know it fell into my lap. I know now because my soul had agreed my soul at the higher level had agreed um, to do this, but I didn't seek this. It came to me. Uh, and I always want to try to be as clear as I can so it's not confusing. When I first fell into this kind of work in the early 90s, just pausing because it's like, how to say this? I, I was, we think about this fancy word that we, some of us learn at going to school, tabula rasa. Tabula rasa is a fancy way of saying blank slate. I was pretty in my conscious awareness, not my soul level, but I didn't know anything about that. When I was in my middle 40s, which is almost, let's just call that 30 years ago. So guess what? Everybody knows how old I am. Oh, well, I really was tabula rasa. I was a blank slate. I didn't know anything about reincarnation. I didn't understand the soul. And then without going into that long story... In this podcast, a close colleague of mine died and I fell into this kind of work because he started talking to me from the other side. So where do I get all this information? I get it, as I've said, client to client to client to client. I also receive it because I learned how to talk to my guides and verify things with my guides. I would be leaving out a piece if I didn't say that over the years I have had contact with one or two capable channels. And these are not channels that you're going to be able to go schedule an appointment with. These are people that I have known well. And at times they would help verify information for me or say, no, Linda, that's not a correct identification. That soul is not uh, a current incarnation of that past life soul. So to be totally candid, Kathleen, and answering your question, a quick example would be at times I have discovered what I thought was a past life of someone I either knew well personally in my life or a past life of a public figure. And then I would at times check this out with one or the other of these capable channels. And they would say, Linda, you're correct. Or they would say, Linda, no, you're incorrect. And I can tell you, they told me I was incorrect every bit as often as, Linda, you're correct. So that's an answer, Kathleen, to your question. Let's dive into councils. Before the listeners say, well, I thought they were going to talk about councils. And so when are they going to do that? This is where I want to just remind listeners to somewhat demystify or demythologize the spiritual realm. And I don't mean to overly or completely demystify it because there's something, you know, it's like I, I used to have a friend who would teach about past lives and that sort of thing. And he would say regression work is art, mystery, mythology, and science. And by that, there is this beauty of the mystery of who are we at the deepest level and the highest level. But there is science to this, in my opinion, or again, using a different word, there is left-brained explanation. Let me remind listeners, when we're in body, like Linda, Kathleen, and Andrea, or a listener, each of us brings a, you might say, a slice of our soul pie. We bring almost like, you know, think about a whole pie. We cut out a slice of that pie It's holographic. It's holographic meaning when we bring a slice of our soul pie to be alive in body, the remainder of our pie contains the same, you might say, soul DNA because it's holographic. We bring a slice of our pie and when we're born from our mother's body, when we're born from her womb and we live and breathe and the umbilical cord is cut, We're alive because that slice of our soul causes us to be alive, separate and apart from our mom. The remainder of our soul, the rest of that pie is our higher self. Let's just focus on earth-based souls to make this not overly complicated. In the spiritual realm or at the high frequency of spirit, you can call it heaven if you want, tied to earth. There is a council, a congress, a parliament of souls that serve in the role of doing what they can to guide earth. Now they don't literally come down here and say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to decide who wins that election or I'm going to cause that disaster, they don't do that. They are guides, pure and simple. They're guides, and they guide us as humans to make choices and decide behavior. Some of the souls on the earth council still incarnate. Some of the souls on the earth council do not continue to incarnate. It varies. Nonetheless, The members of the Earth Council, in the range of about 130 souls, are charged with the responsibility of doing what they can to guide Earth.
0: Do the souls on the Earth Council guide only Earth-based souls, or do they also guide the interplanetary and the angelic realm souls?
2: Great question. And obviously we'll get to the point of talking about there is an interplanetary council and there is an angelic realm council. IP and AR souls have their own guides that are, if you're an IP soul, you have an IP guide. And if you're an AR soul, you have an AR guide. But at the same time, if an IP soul comes to earth, an IP soul will you almost might say temporarily will also have an earth-based guide to help them operate in body on earth. It's not their primary guide, but it is an additional guide. It's sort of like if I decided I wanted to go live in China for three years, I would probably have a helper when I got there that was Chinese Even though I'm not Chinese and that Chinese person would assist me with language or cultural behavior and that sort of thing.
0: Oh, that makes sense. How does the guidance come to us when we're in body through those guides, I guess, that you just mentioned? Does it also come from our higher self that is perhaps in contact with the souls on the councils? You know, what are the different ways that we are influenced or guided? by those on the councils.
2: Yeah, we're talking about two separate things. So I think what you're asking, Andrea, is not how are each of us guided by our guides, but how might we be guided by the council, in this case, the Earth Council? Yes. Let me say a couple more things and do my best to answer what you're asking. The Earth Council Is a body, if you will, of souls who've been asked to take on a very key responsibility. And as a council, and I'm not going to go very far to try to use our US government as an example, we think about the House of Representatives in the US government or that type of body, you know, UK has a parliament. There's a similarity and a dissimilarity between, if I talk about the U.S. House of Representatives and the Earth Council, the similarity is there are differences of opinions. Use a current example. Okay, the council is operating, the Earth Council is in session, we might say, and there is a coordinator of the Earth Council, and that coordinator is coordinating a discussion of, so, okay, we have this new Omicron variant. And so the pandemic on earth continues. What are we going to try to do to help humans? How are we going to guide them? There are differences of opinions among the members of the earth council. One key difference is that there is always respect and it is never one soul, you know, demeaning, denigrating another soul. They may not agree with how to, step forward to aid humanity, but there is never, it, it, it basically just doesn't happen because at that level, souls are so evolved. They've learned um, the, the judgmentalism, you might say, criticism doesn't happen there. But differences of opinion absolutely do happen.
0: So I guess my next question then is, if there's a difference of opinion, do they reach a consensus Then they all guide from that place of consensus, all guiding as a unified message, so to speak. Or do they get to keep their individual ideas of how to help humanity and then guide people on earth in differing ways?
2: Yeah, again, great question. And we're really into kind of great specificity and kind of high level questions My best understanding about the answer to your question, Andrea, is it varies topic by topic. And it also varies with the nature of the issue. And then I'll also add, because I think this is a really important piece. Some of us, as this is a little bit complicated and confusing, but let's just focus for a minute on, of course, the Earth Council, which is what we're talking about, but on Earth-based souls some of us as earth-based souls here in body, some of us are guided directly by a member of the council or, and this is not a claim to fame or a better than thing, or a member of the council informs our guide that is not a member of the council. And that guide, that's our guide and that guide guides us because in the higher realm there are many advanced souls that have many different responsibilities and they don't all serve on the earth council. So it doesn't mean that every earth based soul on earth is guided by a council member, because it may be a, you might say a stepping down, that it works that way. Now, some people now might be wondering, so who are these members of the earth council? Linda, you said there are approximately 130. Well, that's pretty small. Some of the members of the Earth Council, for those people listening, that feel like they have knowledge of what we might call Ascended Masters. And you know Ascended Masters, there are lots of very commonly spoken about names that we would Here, like Master Saint Germain, people talk about what they call the Great White Brotherhood, which is a group of highly advanced Earth-based souls. The souls of many of the advanced souls that um, have been on Earth in recorded history, which we referred to in the very beginning of our conversation, souls like the soul of Moses, the soul of Buddha, etc., etc. And actually, I'll just add this in, but it's just a quick example about some of these key figures on our planet who we've recently had a number of key figures pass. And actually just today, and obviously today when we're recording this, a very key figure, in my opinion, a key figure on our planet, we've just learned on the news has passed and that's the soul of the actor Sidney Potier. Sidney Potier um, apparently passed in the last 24 hours at the age of 94. Souls like Sidney Potier, probably including him, are highly advanced souls. Because think about how, just to use Potier as an example, he is known to be the first Black actor to win an Academy Award, to win an Oscar. He's opened up the field of acting in movies as a Black man. That would almost for sure indicate the soul of Sidney Potier is a highly evolved soul. I don't know why that came to my mind, but I felt like that might be pertinent to add. But the point is, there are numerous advanced Earth-based souls that serve on the council, the Earth Council, or have responsibilities in the higher realm that might have input to the Earth council, just like it's always just easy to use a governmental structure. And certainly I know there's lots of challenges in many governmental structures, including the US government. But we have advisors to senators and, and House of Re- Representatives members. We have advisors to cabinet members. We have advisors to the president, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's other advanced Earth-based souls besides the council members.
1: Linda, do you have a sense of how the council members are chosen? And if so, by whom? (laughs) And once these council members are installed on the council, do they remain there? Is it a fixed group? Or do they change depending on certain factors?
2: Yes, I can answer both questions let me see how to say this. The members of the earth council are determined. It's so funny. I'm pausing just because I'm tapping back into what I've learned and what I've heard. If we say the earth council is approximately 130 souls, the earth council has, you might call it an executive council, a much smaller body of somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 10 souls that serve as an executive aspect of the earth council. And as I said, a couple minutes or so ago, um, the earth council has a coordinator has a facilitator that coordinator, that facilitator facilitates the executive council as well as the entire council. So when new members are added, if the earth council is going to expand in terms of numbers, that is determined by the facilitator of the Earth Council in conversation with the Executive Council. But what you ask is another great question because it's important. It's just like being part of a governmental, you know, parliament or Congress. Earth Council members do not serve forever. There is a, a lifespan, you might say, the amount of time they serve. It is not like the U.S. government, it is not a term like for two years or four years or six years. It's not hard and fast, but they do not serve forever. And if they rotate off the council, then they may take on a responsibility to the council and just no longer be a member of the Earth Council. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, people might, I'll just add this in, the one, the soul that in everyday languaging, we call Jesus. And I don't know, I might've talked about this in the May podcast, but the soul of Jesus is an ascended master. And we're not referring now per se to religion, even though this is the soul that you know, was crucified approximately 2000 years ago, but that soul, separate and apart from any religious beliefs, is a highly evolved earth based soul that came to earth to do what he could along with those that supported him to progress humanity. So, that soul whose name was not Jesus when it was that soul was embodied as that one we call Jesus, that person had a different name, and that soul had past lives. There are other people that have written about and channeled about the past lives as the one we know as Jesus. But So the reason I'm bringing that up is that the soul of Jesus has served on the earth council and has rotated off the earth council to take on other responsibilities. So just to add that in.
1: You may remember, Linda, one of our more recent episodes had to do with the past lives of Jesus. I think I remember you commenting about that on a social media post. (laughs) That's correct. I'm
2: remembering that now that you bring that up, Kathleen. And I think that, in my humble opinion, what that does when we talk about the past lives of the one we call Jesus, that person's actual name was Yeshua. But when we talk about those past lives, then we bring that soul down to being a soul, being a soul that evolved lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, like all the rest of us. And I think that demystifies this, brings us into a place of, because I say this to clients a lot, please don't view yourself as unimportant and think, Oh, just because a guide showed up today, and maybe that guide had a nameable name, a familiar name, and maybe not, but it brings it all down to the actuality of Earth and the universe progress through the actions and behaviors of the evolution, soul by soul by soul by soul.
0: Absolutely. It's really fascinating. And I think it helps us. I know I think it helps myself anyway with the question of worth. I like how you made that point as well, bring it down to a level that we all have in common and that there is no ranking in that way. We're all progressing. We're all learning and evolving. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
2: Yeah, I might just add in very quickly. Here's just a simplistic example. And I have clients that come and I encourage them to, how do I want to say this, simplify and bring down to earth, bring it down to basic everyday kinds of things we're not important just because, oh, look what Oprah's done and the humanitarian things Oprah's done. It's, no, what about just average, everyday people? So I'll just give a really quick example, which I just love, but it's a it's an everyday example. And I'm saying this because I want people to think about everyday-ishness, if you will. We have some immediate neighbors that we know quite well. And they're younger than my husband and I, and um, they're the age of our children, and they have children. A couple of weeks ago, I posted on social media that we would bought a new printer, and um, we had an older printer that still worked, but we didn't need it anymore. And if somebody would just contact us, they could just come and pick it up, and they could have it. And so the immediate neighbors, who know us well, quickly texted my husband and said, "Oh my gosh, that's so wonderful that you have this printer." And they said, "Our printer just died and our high school aged uh son has this major report that he's got to get done before Monday. This was like Friday or Saturday or whatever it was and we'd just love to take your printer." And we just said, "Fabulous. Come right over. It's in the garage. Take the printer." So they took the printer and Fortunately, it was still working, and they're pretty techy, and so they hooked it up, and their son was able to finish his project and get it ready to go to school. I think this was a Saturday, and it needed to be turned in on Monday, so that worked really well. Yesterday morning, we had a sizable snow where I live, and we have a snowblower, but it's an older one. It's very, very heavy. I can't run it. It's way too heavy for me, and my husband has recently had some hand surgery. And he's not allowed to run it at all right now. The reverse happened. We contacted our neighbors. Both their college and high school age boys were home and said, we're happy to pay with one or both of your boys, but could they come help us clear our snow? And so two, three hours later, one of the boys came and cleared our snow. That is just as important as what some famous person or some prominent person on the public in the public arena does with their life to aid others and so i always want to say that out loud because i think we get too hung up on oh i haven't accomplished enough it's like those kinds of everyday things that we do for one another are crucial for the well-being of Humanity.
0: That's a great point, Linda. And the other thing is, famous people go to social media and what do they do? They post the video of them doing the deed. I mean, that's how we know about it. Look at all the people just doing everyday acts of kindness like you described, and they're not plastering it all over social media. Look at what I did. You know, they're doing it from their heart and through compassion. And, you know, if you look at it that way, I don't know. I think it takes on even more of a special quality in light of that.
2: I so agree.
1: No act of kindness is ever wasted, no matter how small. Sometimes I think it's better if it is done anonymously, because you don't need to shout it from the rooftops when we do something kind, just do it because it's the right thing to do and because it's what we all need more of and it is what is going to move us along and help us evolve. That's the only reason we need.
2: Yes, so true. And, and you know, what I'm aware that we're doing, Kathleen and Andrea, I'm giving a lot of left-brained information, a lot of kind of structure, cognitive information. And by the same token, Humanity evolves in very small ways and big ways. Big ways are important too. And and people with major platforms, uh, we need those people. We need the people in roles and positions. But that everyday action is equally important. And I just... often want people to get a bit out of their heads like, well, I haven't written books or I haven't stood on a stage. That's not essential.
1: And honestly, I always feel that just as no act of kindness is ever wasted, no act of being unkind ever goes unnoticed.
2: (laughs) It works in reverse as well. Totally true. I mean, just a quick comment, and and then maybe we need to expand into what's the Interplanetary Council and what's the Angelic Realm Council. But I, I just want to add one more piece in, and that's the beauty, I think, of podcasts, like the two of you do, because it's conversation, and it just morphs and goes where it needs to go. I'll just add in one more quick piece. It's no secret where I live. I live in Boulder County, Colorado. Um, I don't live in the city of Boulder. I live in the county. And it's, I'm sure, no secret to anyone who's watched the news over the last week. We had, exactly a week ago, the most financially destructive fire in Colorado history. And uh, I'm very fortunate. The evacuation boundary was two miles from my house. And we could see the literal smoke and red flames and all of that. But fortunately, we're safe and sound in terms of our home. But we had over 1,000 um, homes lost and two or 300 damaged. And in this morning, they're quoting $500 million plus of of loss. And people completely losing their homes and every belonging they ever had. So it's just extremely dramatic. And it's the classic thing where if it doesn't happen in your backyard, you don't quite get it until it happens in your backyard. And it did not literally happen in my backyard, but two miles from my backyard um, about a week ago. The outpouring that I see in our community here is just amazing. The donations, the people just different restaurants providing food, restaurants taking in donations and just saying, come and get the food you need, come and get the clothes that you need. Oh my goodness. And the bottom line is our human culture needs more of that. And I don't know, I just had to comment because I've been really struck by the stepping up of anybody and everybody right here. Where I live.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Linda. You know, I've been thinking lately one disaster to the next, to the next, to the next. It's quite noticeable, at least to me. And I wonder if you have some thoughts about this and some guidance that you could share. And that is, we seem to be having more frequent and more substantial opportunities as humans to step up and also to not judge. Because in the example that you gave with the fire and the giving and the stepping up and the kindness that so many people are sharing, just recently too, there were the people on the highway that were trapped due to the snow for almost 30 hours, I think. And the catastrophic tornadoes that again, so it's unprecedented. How many times have we heard this unprecedented with the fires in Colorado, with the tornadoes, with the virus, with all of this stuff? And what strikes me is it's as though we're being given opportunities at such a high level or such such a, an overwhelming in your face kind of way that, and the piece about judgment that I wanted to mention was, in the face of disaster, people aren't going up to people saying, "Um, what's your political affiliation? Let me know before I decide if I'm going to give you these clothes or this bottle of water or this hot meal. People are having a greater opportunity to simply be in recognition that we're more alike than we are different. And I think that's no accident. Unfortunately, it's taking all of these very traumatic occurrences. I sort of feel like if we just act like that more, maybe these things would die down. But I don't know. I'd be curious to both of your thoughts about that. Andrea,
1: I absolutely agree. And it has also grabbed my attention about all the various tragedies and disasters and, oh my goodness, opportunities as you describe them. And that really is a great word to describe these things. It's funny because when you were talking about this, I could feel my guides just coming in and saying things to me. And what they told me was that, yeah, we're all up here. We're stepping up our game all of us, because we know how critical it is for planet earth. And you all need to step up your game. We're giving you multiple chances, multiple opportunities, don't waste them. And that just came in as you were talking. So I definitely wanted to share that. It's a little surprising, but there's no question about where it came from.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, I think Andrew and Kathleen, I think that we're being given these opportunities. I so agree. Last Saturday, one of the things that was badly needed was uh, water bottled water because people like 35,000 homes had no water. And so we got, we went to the store and bought water and we were taking it to a drop off point. And the line of cars going into the drop off point just to drop off water was amazing to me. And it took, you know, quite a while to just drop off water. I I so agree that we're being given opportunities. And I think that's the challenge. And I would imagine because I hear this from clients and people in, you know, classes I teach and groups and that sort of thing. What are we doing with these opportunities? And I think people like the three of us, as well as people listening to this podcast, I would say, by and large, come from a higher perspective. And yet we still see that we're not taking care of our planet as we need to. And people disbelieve the science that clearly demonstrates there is global warming. There is a problem um, that can be resolved over time through fuel and cars and emissions and that sort of thing. So all we can do is what we can do. This is what, and maybe to bring this back to the councils, this is what the councils, I'll say, struggle with, because based on clients, as well as my own intuitive information, there there is a struggle. So let me talk for a minute about the Interplanetary Council, And then something I know um, about the Interplanetary Council and some of their struggles. Let's see if I can explain this briefly and but clearly. So there is what we call the Interplanetary Council. This is another Congress, if you will, of representatives from more than one celestial location. And I know people might say, well, Linda, tell us which celestial. Locations, you know, Pleiades, Sirius, Venus, blah, blah, blah. Many of these locations are not nameable because they're not locations, uh, you know, about which we know the names. So please, everybody, don't struggle with that. But there is a Congress of representatives from various celestial locations, including Earth, um, Earth based. Souls that are members of the interplanetary council, and then the remainder of the interplanetary council are IPs. But this interplanetary, call it the IP council, was created to assist Earth, to assist humanity to evolve because the locations from which there are representatives let's just to make it simple, let's just use Pleiades. Let's just say there are representatives, one, two souls on the IP Council from the Pleiades. There are representatives from the Pleiades because the Pleiades sends souls to earth. So it's the intention of the IP Council or it's the purpose of the IP Council to do what they can to come to agreement about how to help the earth But these are various celestial locations that are working in coordination with the Earth. And I have worked with clients whose higher selves, I believe it is valid, are members of the IP Council. Again, we're demystifying the higher realm because we were talking about nuts and bolts of a group of people are probably going to ask me how many or, or wonder how many souls sit on the IP council. It's fairly small. Now the IP council is much newer than the earth council. It's existed much less time. I believe somewhere in the range of maybe 50 to 75 years or something in that range of time. But I have worked with, um, clients who are ip souls who are members of the earth council i also have worked with clients who are earth-based souls and are earth representatives to the ip council so we're coordinating in a bigger way than just eb souls
1: Mm. reaching across the aisle spiritually right (laughs) (laughs) that's funny why not
2: yeah I love that you said that. And so, why reaching across the aisle is the notion or the question that pops into my mind? and maybe the why is obvious to listeners, but let me put words to the why because i p I'm repeating myself, but just as a reminder, uh, because i p souls that come to earth are always highly evolved souls. We need the wisdom on earth of IP souls, clearly. And as people either listen to or will go back and perhaps listen to the podcast from May, IP souls don't always find it easy to be in body on earth because this isn't home for IP souls. And I happen to be an earth-based soul and people who've listened to me know that, but Um, IP souls that I work with as clients at times struggle even more. I mean, advanced earth-based souls sometimes struggle to a degree to be in body because of the nature of the issues going on with humanity. But often IP souls have even greater challenges because this is just not familiar territory, we might say. So maybe I'll just wax into, so we don't leave out the angelic realm. Let me just explain the angelic council. And um, then Kathleen and Andrea ask me questions, but okay. So here's what I know about the angelic council. It is the newest of the three councils. And for people wanting to know more about angelic souls, please, if you will go back and listen to the May podcast, but, um, The angelic council is very, very small, somewhere in the range of four to six angelic souls. It's my understanding, let me back up a step. My knowledge base, so as a regression therapist, over the course of not quite 30 years, first I learned a lot about earth-based souls. Then my guides decided they wanted me to learn more about interplanetary souls. So they started infusing IP souls into my practice and then the same thing happened just slightly later maybe 10 or so years ago my guide started infusing angelic souls into my practice so that i could learn more and help support angelic or ar angelic realm souls the angelic council is very small as i said about 4 to 6 souls Most of the members, and I can't be overly specific because I don't yet have a lot of information about this, this four to six souls, probably if we say it's six souls, just as an example, four or five of those souls are archangels and one or two of those, let's just say six are angelic souls that just don't happen to be archangels. And the angelic realm soul I've learned from more than one client is coordinated, is facilitated by an earth based soul. So you might go, oh, why is that? Why not be facilitated by an AR soul? And the reason is that the angelic realm is the high frequency, we might say, divine realm that serves earth, that is the high consciousness of earth. Therefore, a highly advanced Earth-based soul coordinates
1: the very small angelic council. That's interesting. I have never heard that.
0: Angelic realm souls that are in body here on Earth, they are not angels, though. That's different?
2: Oh, that's great, Andrea, that you're asking that. No, the answer is... When an angelic realm soul embodies on earth, which is uncommon, but happens, what we are saying is that an angelic being alive in a human body, causing a, a human person to live and breathe. And I'm not an angelic soul, but if I were, it would be a human person, just like I'm a human person, but enervated by an angelic soul. I often, I'll just add this in quickly, when I'm interviewing my regression client before we start the regression, because I've learned a a fair amount about angelic souls, sometimes I can begin to kind of have a hunch in my head, I never speak this until the regression's over, but I can sometimes begin to suspect that I'm working with an angelic soul. Sometimes I can tell some of the clues would be, and again, people can go back to the May podcast, but the core signature energy of an angelic soul is love and compassion. Now, that's not to say, because I don't want people to get confused, if I happen to meet and work with an angelic soul, and I know some people just even in, yeah, more than just clients, if they've had a regression, we know they're an angelic soul. That doesn't mean that person is always loving and compassionate 24-7, because I'm not sure anybody is loving and compassionate 24-7. We're in human bodies with human lives and human emotions and the ins and outs of everyday living. But that is one of the qualities of an angelic soul is to be very, we might say right-brained, very deeply loving and caring more often than not. So,
1: yeah. This is something that I've started to encounter more in my practice, working with clients that I know are angelic souls The first time it happened, it was really startling. As of today, I think I could count three, possibly four clients, past and present, who I'm pretty sure are angelic souls. And what I've noticed, Linda, that those people all have in common is that they have uncommonly difficult obstacles with their lives on earth lots of baggage the kinds of baggage that when you look at it from the outside you think oh my goodness how can that person keep going that kind of baggage but yet that love and compassion you described that still shines through in all these people they are loving compassionate just dear people and don't dwell on the earthly trappings of misery, if you will. And it's it's always startling to me because it's like, wow, this would break a lesser soul, truly. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if you've come across that with your clients, but that is what I've noticed. And that's just across the board with the handful that I've had the honor to work with.
2: Yeah, Kathleen, I'm thinking about a person in particular who's an angelic soul that I've worked with far more than once and she is exactly what you describe. She is the deepest, loving, caring person and she's had so many struggles in her life and yet there's this bright persona that always shines Through. Now that's not, I mean, I've worked with a number of angelic souls. All of them are not exactly like that, but I have certainly worked with many that fit exactly what you're talking about. And just this week, I worked with a new client. We discovered through regression, she's an angelic soul. And one of the one of the interesting things, many things fascinating about her regression, but one that was quite fascinating for me that isn't always the case when I'm working with an AR soul, is that this is her first embodiment on Earth. And I think that is absolutely accurate. And so that's a challenge. Then think about this, this body called human and this place called Earth. It's like we all have our own struggles. Who doesn't have? some of their own struggles, and to just jump in and be here. And yet, she's a very lovely, capable, for the most part, positive attitude individual.
0: What an amazing conversation this has been. And unfortunately, we're just about out of time for the episode. And I just want to say thank you again, Linda, but I want to invite you to add any last thoughts or ideas that perhaps you feel guided to share with us as we close this episode.
2: That's that's perfect. Thank you. I want to just say thank you so much to the two of you for this opportunity to talk about the topic of not just my work, but pretty much my life that fascinates me and carries me forward. And as we pull the pieces together, a couple of uh, comments come to my mind to to say, one would be, as listeners have taken all this in, and I know I'm probably repeating this, but please don't listeners, please don't worry about are you a member of a council? are you not? It is absolutely not about accomplishment in that sense. what it really is about as all of you think about this is honor and acknowledge that you all have a higher self that if you're listening to this podcast, you are not a young soul or you wouldn't take the time to listen to this type of podcast. That is my assumption. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you are more evolved than average. And so your higher self has roles and responsibilities in the higher realm, whether it's earth-based, interplanetary, or angelic realm, except that those roles are important. And of course, it's not about ego, or it's not about what my husband has said for years and years is he'll say, I'm not to take you know myself seriously, I'm to take what I do seriously. So please think about that. And then I would just close by saying we've stepped into a new year 2022 all opportunities are on the table we can contribute to humanity in small ways and perhaps more overt ways just please look at your life be sure you're taking care of your own self and your own health and those around you and honor and acknowledge that you're here with purpose So thank you so much for the opportunity to um, talk about what I've learned and what I love to talk about.
0: Thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. On behalf of both of us, Linda, it's always so amazing to talk with you, to learn more, and to be challenged, really, in such a wonderful way, thinking outside the box. And if people want to reach out to you, find out about what you offer, your different classes, the different opportunities, or simply just ask you a question, they can go to your website, ravenheartcenter.com, and find everything they need there, and we'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Linda, for coming on.
2: My pleasure.
0: And before we say our final goodbye, Kathleen and I wish to share our heartfelt gratitude with all of our regular listeners who've chosen to support our all-volunteer effort here at the podcast by leaving positive reviews, sharing about the podcast with your friends and family, and on social media as well, and of course by contributing through donation. It is through your efforts that our audience continues to grow, and Kathleen and I wanted to just say thank you. And we certainly look forward to the next time we meet and explore beyond the Reiki Gateway.